Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. I'm going to talk to you guys about something that's super important to me, something I feel really passionate about, um, and that's always being in learn mode, teach mode, and being a servant leader to those around you in our discipline of product management. So to kick it off, I'm going to take you through my journey. And what I do love most, or some of the things I do love most, is just hearing everybody's stories around how they actually got into our world of product management. So mine is non-traditional. I think a lot of people's are non-traditional. Um, I started almost a decade ago. I was working at a company called Jefferies, and I was helping to build and maintain an internal CRM, proprietary software, and also event management platform. Um, I was brought on to be somebody that they rotated out. They wanted me to move into a sales seat, possibly a trading seat. And I was in New York, so that was a super attractive role at the time. It's something that a lot of people like to get into. That world is super fast-paced and, and, and super aggressive. So I was expecting to move into that. Um, a couple weeks in, my boss threw me into the fire, uh, said to me, go start training everybody. It was literally three weeks in. And I was like, okay, well, I barely know this, but he's like, this is the best way for you to get your feet wet, is just get in there and just dig into the product and start talking to people, understand who they are and what it is that they need to get done throughout their day. I was sitting with an analyst, and he was so frustrated, but super pleased with the product that we built. And so we put out something on a dashboard that was getting him halfway through what he needed to do and what his team needed to get done at the end of the week. And I just saw the frustration in his eyes, and I said to him, tell me what it is that you're looking to accomplish. And I sat with him for a couple minutes. I spent some time with his team, and they told me that there's this thing that they need to get done by the end of the week. And if only this widget that we put on the dashboard had one or two more capabilities, they would be able to save so much time. And so I took that back to the table. And again, just keep in mind, I was supposed to be sort of product marketing, training, not somebody coming back and saying, here, like, let's make this better and do that. And I said... I really feel like we can drive change in the research analyst world right now. Let's, or at least at Jeffries, let's talk this through and let's make this better. And my boss went in, quickly made a couple changes, and the next morning the analyst called me into his office and he was like, oh my goodness, I don't think you realize what you've just done for me and my team. And what he did with that was he sent a note out and he was like, hey, uh, check this thing out. And you guys all know that the best form of marketing is a happy customer, right? And so internally, all of a sudden, everybody was adding that widget to their dashboard. We saw adoption increase like crazy. And it was just a wonderful moment. So what do we talk about in product? We talk about our aha moments a lot, right? That was my aha moment. And that was the moment I said, I wanted to be a product manager. Because if I could make simple changes to be able to affect change and impact somebody's day and workflow and save them time, I want to continue to do it. And that's what I did. So we built a team. We tripled over about four or five years, um, and that product's still actually going today, but I've moved on. So I moved on to another company after that where I was uh, responsible for scaling products um, and taking one product that was meant for uh, four or five big banks and then growing it to, or sorry, changing it so that the rest of the customer base that we had would be able to use it just the same. 
And then I moved on to Pendo. So Pendo, um, at Pendo today, my focus is growing a team. My focus is growing them both career-wise and my focus is growing my team in numbers, so we're hiring. So anybody wants to come and talk to me, come and talk to me. We're out there in the booth. Um, all right, so that was my journey, and I really want to hear about some of yours if you will give me the time today. Now, progression. This is something that's really important, too. So I said I've been in this for about a decade, and I've watched the space evolve, and I'm sure you guys have, too, especially those of you who have been in it for, for quite a while. Um, things change. Um, tools have come and gone. Right? We've seen, we've seen uh, needs arise from product people, from developers, where you know, um, you're looking at Jira today, but Jira wasn't there a couple years ago. Right? Uh, Figma grew out of something, and we'll talk about those in a little bit, a little bit later. So things have changed. One thing that um, I, do, I did realize earlier on is that there's this misconception that the product manager is an individual contributor. So I want you guys to think that through a little bit today. PMs are actually not individual contributors when you think about it, right? So I hear a lot of candidates come in and say, I'm ready to do this individual contributor. I don't really want to be a manager. And I'm like, you do realize that you're touching everyone in your organization and so many customers at any given time. You are the person that everybody wants to speak to. So going back to one of the earlier talks, yeah, it can be quite daunting. Everybody wants to talk to the product manager because we're so well-versed and so up to speed in all the things we're doing. You need to be able to cultivate relationships to make sure you're talking to the right people at any given time. Um, so, you know, like I mentioned, there's a lot of things that changed over the last couple years around our discipline. There are a couple things that have remained the same. And those things are learning, teaching, and being a continuous servant leader. So how many of you are familiar? Everybody's arms still work. Remember Gib asked that question this morning? Yeah? All right, so who knows what servant leadership is and who's really familiar with how important it is in our world? Okay, All right, a couple of hands. I'm just going to read this to you. So Robert Greenleaf is the founding father of servant leadership. And he said, the servant leader is servant first. It begins with the natural feeling that one wants to serve, to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. Now, who's a manager here? Okay. it's a good amount of people. And who's product manager today? Not managing people. Cool. So it doesn't matter if you're a product manager or a manager. We're going to talk about the growth of others and how important that is when it comes to servant leadership. Great product managers want to see everyone around them succeed, right? Especially your teams, because you can't get anything done without them. All right, so I talked a little bit earlier about the skills and everything that's changed over, our, over the last couple years for us. Servant leadership, learning, teaching, because of those things, and if product managers are doing that so well, it makes our world such a fulfilling one to be in. But it also makes our world so hard to hire for, right? How many of you have tried to hire people and you're hearing all these things? I'm Jira level expert 1000. I know how to use GitHub. I know how to use Figma just as well as my designer, right? I can use Pendo. I had to plug that in there, sorry. So there are all these little things that you can put on a resume. If I sit in an interview and I say, go ahead, go through Jira, write this query for me real quickly, all of it can be done really fast, right? What I'm looking for at the end of the day are these four qualities. And these are the things that are consistent. So remember I said there's so many things that have changed in our world to get us to where we are today over the last 10 years in product management. These four haven't changed, and they all wrap into the three, the three things we're talking about today, which is the continuous learning, teaching, and servant leadership in our world. So let's talk about each one of these for a second. So empathy, right? We all are hearing 
empathy like crazy today. There's so many HBR articles that are coming out today around building the better, a better workplace around empathy, uh, making sure that your, your sales force is more empathetic. It's a big thing, right? And again, because we sit in the middle as product managers, this middle of our organization, we are in such a great position to lead through empathy and to set an example for others. So empathy is truly just the ability for you to put yourself into someone else's shoes and understand what they're feeling and to be able to relate to them. And how do we do that? We have to do that by being really great listeners, right? So somebody once said to me, and I'm sure people have heard this before, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. If you haven't heard it before, write it down. It's a good one. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. It's so important. Listen with intent. And do not not jump in when somebody is trying to make their point. It's really important. It makes you come off more empathetic than you possibly can imagine. Persuasiveness is a big one, too. So this all comes with really great listening skills. And then it ties into the teaching and the learning aspect of this as well. So um, how many people lean on their dev teams a lot? Perfect. I love it. Okay. So you're leaning on your dev teams, one, because you want to become a better product manager, better person overall at your job, right? But Probably, uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but it helps you become so much more persuasive when you know what your team is going through, and that all comes with the constant desire to learn from them what's happening on a day-to-day basis in their world. And then the growth of others. So the reason I asked you guys who's manager and who's not is really important. It doesn't matter if you're a manager in this space. Servant leaders are here to serve others in order to see them succeed. Right? As PMs, you want to make sure you're giving your team everything that they need to succeed. You want to make sure that you're giving your organizational partners everything they need to succeed because at the end of the day, it all comes back to you as the core. You're building that feature. You're putting out that product. All right, so let's talk about your team for a second. I just touched, touched on this, but um, as servant leaders, you're sitting there absorbing all information from at any given angle, right? So You're talking to customers on a day-to-day basis, hopefully. You are with stakeholders listening to the business plans and the high-level growth areas and all the projections, and you're trying to synthesize all this information. It's your responsibility to now take this back and teach it to your teams. Make sure that they're getting the best information possible in order to help you make a decision, right? Does anybody here, I want honesty, anybody here tell their teams what to build? Nice. Ooh. Talk to me after. I don't really know. So great product managers don't tell, right? We sit there. We give the information. We talk about the why. Start with why in your conversations with your team, right? So we give them everything that they need to do, they need to have to be able to drive great decisions forward. Once we empower them, we give them that. They can come back with the how. They can come back with the what. And then we all figure out the one together. And that's super important. So make sure you're giving them all you possibly can at any given time. And then, like I said, learn from them. Listen to them. The best thing that happened to me early on in my PM career was when I heard a developer tell me that's not possible. And I was like, what do you mean that's not possible? We need to, this, you know, I was get super frustrated. And he said, come sit with me. Now, I, I wasn't very technical when I started, right? This is what I talked about. Back then, you didn't have to be technical. Today, I'm looking at all the business school candidates coming to me. They're saying, I learned, I got a CS degree, and I'm coding. I'm like, okay, that's great. I admire that you're doing that. But that wasn't something that we had to do back then. And I sat down with my developer, and he said to me, CI, let me teach you 
why this is not feasible. That took me forward in ways that you could not even imagine because I was able to talk to stakeholders beyond just the general conversations about, oh, this is going to be great if we just place this here. It was just, it was amazing. So spend the time learning from your team. Spend the time educating them. Spend the time getting them exactly what they need. I'm going to share a quote with you. So anybody know Ray Dalio? He wrote the book Principles. Really great book. Make sure you read it. It's relevant in any industry and any discipline. So because most people are more emotional than logical, they tend to overreact to short-term results. They give up and sell low when times are bad and buy too high when times are good. Wise people stick with sound fundamentals through the ups and downs, while flighty people react emotionally to how things feel. The reason I'm sharing this with you is I also want to share a story with you. So I spoke to a PM a couple years, a couple months back, and she was telling me, how, how many of you have had to build based on um, demand from your stakeholders or your customers? It was more reactive than proactive. Yeah, it feels, like, it feels pretty crappy, right? And at the end of the day, are, all, are you guys measuring success there? Right? Okay. How many of you have actually measured failure? How many of you, yeah, it's, it, it, it actually feels really good to measure failure because you're like, ha-ha, check this out. <laughs> so I spoke to a PM a couple months ago, and she said to me she was pressured into building something that was super small based on the client's um, estimate, even though obviously they're not working with them, and super small based on what stakeholders thought. Um, and it, it wasn't a renewal time. It wasn't a time when it was super critical. She tried her best to persuade them that that, you know, that was just wrong. Um, and she was a couple, I would say she was about two years in. She built it. It took eight weeks, so that was super small. Dev team, total QA dev, um, and then a UX person and her, eight people total. So tally that up, especially here in the Valley. Um, guess what? Guess how many clicks, or guess how much adoption that actually had over a three-month period. The customer, um, the client had about 400 users. Zero. That felt like crap, right? So what she did there was she learned. She learned fast. She took that data back to stakeholders. She sat down with the team. She became super persuasive with that data. What she did, and this is something that if you guys haven't done it, make sure you do it yet, is tie it back to the dollar when it comes to those sort of situations. Take it back to stakeholders and show them what they've just spent on nothing, right? The cost to build outweighed the value to the customer, what she did, too, was she actually got, her, got herself a seat at the table. So I forgot a little piece of information. They didn't ask her to go talk to the customer about what the customer wanted, which, was, which is a sin in our world, right? They just told her to build it because they said, this relationship is already in jeopardy. I don't want to cause any more friction, right? We don't need to ask them any more questions. So she took that data back to the table with the customer, and the customer said, oh, my goodness, I, complete, I just owned up to it and worked together with her to drive results going forward. That was a super successful story, and I was so proud of her. Um, she was able to save the relationship. The feature didn't save the relationship. All right, so what does that all mean um, in the grand scheme of things? So another quote, teams are more productive and innovative than work groups, than mere work groups. They produce results that exceed what groups of individuals can do through simple cooperation and coordination. And that's from a really good HBR article. If you guys Google it, you'll find it. It's good managers lead through a team. So for managers in the room, really important, right? What are you committed to? Hopefully the growth of your people. Hopefully not just rising and moving up the ladder. Hopefully you're putting in the time to give your people what they need, right? 
So strong PMs get the job done by having a strong leader behind them. A leader does not mean somebody who is there to sign off on this trip that I'm on today. doesn't mean somebody to sign off on another tool all the time just to check the box. Yeah, you can give them what they need in terms of tools for efficiency, but there are other things, right? Make sure you're getting them FaceTime with stakeholders, with customers. Make sure that you're backing them. Make sure that you're empowering them to be credible with their teams by giving them what they need. And then give them space, but don't walk away from them. Make sure that you're keeping a pulse on them and make sure that you are having their back at every turn. And the best thing you can do as leaders, remember those four words I put up there? Empathy, persuasiveness, listening, and growth of others. Which one of those do you guys think is the most important thing to help grow? Shout it out. I'm hearing a whole bunch, but empathy is the best thing that you can grow as a leader, especially today, because they can carry that with them wherever they go. Um, When I started off in product management, my boss, Ed, gave me the best piece of advice. Three simple words that are still with me today. It's know your audience. And that, when he said that to me, it was the day he said, go, CI, go train everybody and go do your thing. And I was so nervous. Know your audience back then meant make sure that you've pre-customized that dashboard because that trader's not going to sit there and do it in the three-minute span that you have with them. Um, make sure that you have customized that dashboard because the research analyst will dive into every single widget on that dashboard in the one and a half hours that they will give to you. Make sure that you're talking to our, who did we have at the time? Uh, let's the C-level guy who was managing stuff across the business. Make sure that when you're talking to him about the roadmap coming up in this one area, that you know that he's got so many other things going on in his day-to-day that he just needs this much, this much valuable information, but you're giving him this much, right? So know your audience. Teach your people to know their audience. Teach them to bring the right messaging out at any given time. And teach them to be empathetic and understand that there's so many other things happening in their world. Make sure that they're able to quickly pivot. That comes with empathy as well. And pivoting doesn't mean conceding. If they're ready to go sell an idea, make sure that they take a quick pulse on the room. They now have more information based on what the audience is feeding back to them, the vibe, the what, things that they're saying, in order to just pivot and make a, little, a slight adjustment to their plans. They may come back and sell the same thing, but it's all about empathy. All right. And now your organization. So pivoting also happens a lot with salespeople, right? Like they have to be able to read a room and understand when a customer deal is probably going down south. And so little known fact is PMs are salespeople too. But we are more salespeople internally than we are externally. So I can't stress that enough to you guys. If you're not proud of what you're building, you're not going to sell it well. You need to sell it to your partners in your organization. Some of the most rewarding moments I've had over the last four months at Pendo have been when my product managers have put something in Slack and our CSMs start putting all the little reactions on there just with joy, sharing it out to our current customers. Or when a salesperson says, oh my gosh, I totally think this is going to win the deal. And that's because my product managers are super passionate about the things that they're putting out there, right? One of them said to me the other day when he was helping me through this, he said, we want our, our customers to be the hero in their own story. And with that, he tries to put passion into everything that he builds. When he puts passion into everything that he builds, it shows internally at the organization. And the best way for you to sell is through others, but you need to be able to sell it crazy within your own organization. So put in the time with marketing, enable them with what they need for messaging. Make sure that you also spend time understanding what their day-to-day is like, right? This goes back to empathy. If you spend the time with salespeople, 
you'll see that they're all over the place. You'll see that they're obviously tied to a dollar. They need limited information, but really crisp, concise information, right? Same thing with CSMs almost. And with marketing, they want a little bit more content to be able to tell a story. I can almost guarantee you if you put in the time with those people in your organizations, they're going to put in the time to understand you as a product manager. I can't tell you the amount of times that somebody from our revenue team has, has just been so grateful to just sit with our product managers and say, I did not know that that's your day, right? And the empathy just continues to, to just permeate throughout the organization. It's just, it's just a beautiful thing to see. And you think with all the time you put in, though, educating your internal staff that you don't have to spend that much time with customers, but we all know that, again, that's a sin. So you need to be out there with customers all the time. But with this relationship, it's one more of learning than of really teaching and being that servant leader. I think the servant leadership comment, I'm going to go back to what I just said about the being a hero in their story. You want to be able to give them everything they possibly can so that they can continue to rise in their industries for sure. Um, but... With your customers, make sure that you're listening with intent. Remember what I talked about with pivoting? Make sure that you're able to pivot quickly and do not concede to something just because you're hearing that that may be a pretty crappy idea from a customer. Back it with data. Back it with insight. Back it with, really, with relevance from the past. I'm going to share another quote. And this is really, one, I think this is my favorite quote just from any book so far. It's Marty Kagan. I'm sure everybody knows who he is, right? So obsess over customers, not competitors. Too many companies completely forget about their product strategy once they encounter a serious competitor. They panic and then find themselves chasing their competitors' actions, no longer focusing on the customers. We can't ignore the market, but remember that all customers rarely leave us for competitors. They leave us because we stop taking care of them. Do not stop taking care of your customers. I think you guys all know that already, but it is the cardinal rule in product management. Make sure that you're putting in the time to learn everything you can. It circles back to the beginning of this talk. If I didn't sit with that research analyst that day and I did not dig into his workflow and all the pain points that he had, I don't know, would I be here? Like, Would I be super proud to be in this world where... Knowledge is so powerful, and being able to influence and persuade people is something that's so fulfilling, right? Put in the time. Understand your people and understand your client most of all. And I'm just going to end on this note. So somebody talked to me a couple weeks ago who's trying to break into product. And I know there are a lot of people here who are trying to do that too, so definitely come talk to me. I want to hear some of the struggles and some of the things you're going through. He said to me, what are the things that you, what are one or two things that you know now that you didn't know back when you started in product? And one I shared with you a little earlier, just more around the PM as an individual contributor. Not really true. You see the impact that product managers have on the entire organization and customers. Thank you guys for your time today. I hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.